0: John the Baptist was a firebrand of a preacher. There's some things that he would say that I would not even consider saying. In no baptismal service that I have ever officiated have I spoken to the congregants that came and said, you brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes. That has not happened. That will not happen. I do not believe in my ministry. His words were scathing. Absolutely scathing. He went on to say, Don't even think about saying that Abraham is your father. That would be about the same as me saying, It doesn't matter how long you've been a member here, it doesn't matter even if you've been a charter member of this church. I mean, those words are offensive to those to whom he was speaking. They had gathered there in order to hear a message, but he was cutting to the heart to tell them that what happens now, what happens now is the critical matter in their faith. He says, the axe is laid at the root of the tree, not just at the stump of the tree, at the root of the tree, to get rid of all of this, to get down to the the crux of the matter. What then should we do is the question that they raise. And it's interesting because in the Greek, Actually, the word for do is the same word that is used earlier when he is speaking to them. When he says produce fruit or bear fruit that shows that you have a changed heart and a changed life, the question that they are using is the very same Greek word. And so perhaps better this question in understanding it, would be to say, what then should we produce? What should we bear? That was the question that they were asking because they had already arrived at the point that something had to change in their lives. It is something healthy for a person to go through this kind of self-analysis. It is not easy, but it is very healthy for us to examine the nature of the life that we are living Usually, we don't do very well about this on our own. We need the assistance of those around us, almost like persons that are coming to be a part of recovery programs that absolutely depend on the community around them. Left to themselves, there's no telling what we will do. But with the community around us, We can do things that go beyond what we think might be possible. I remember purchasing an AA book at a thrift store years ago. I still have it because what was so powerful to me was that just inside the front cover and also just inside the back cover of that book were the names and telephone numbers of everybody that was in that recovery group, evidently, with the instruction, you can call me day or night, and they meant it, day or night you can call me if you find yourself in trouble. This is the kind of community aspect that is a part of this because the crowds were not seeking just an individual connection with John or with God they were talking as a community. They had come to him as a crowd. They spoke to him as a crowd. What then should we do, this collective pronoun? What should we do? It is not something that we do very well on our own. If we try to think differently, we'll find that we fail We need the encouragement of the community around us to act differently. It is by acting differently that then we will think differently. That is a strange thing to embrace. And in this case, particularly, John is raising a call for us to live contentedly, which is an interesting thing to bring up in this season that is marked by the acquiring of things that we do not have. When our closets are crowded and our tables are full, you and I continue to purchase and purchase and purchase. We think it's our duty, I believe. It becomes ambition for us, almost the American dream, that we would be successful. How could we be successful without purchasing more things? For ourselves and those whom we love. And yet, when people came before John, this baptizer in the wilderness, he could see through to where they were. The tax collectors came, better understood as toll collectors, really, for us. That's what they did. They took tolls from people around town. In fact, they paid in advance. To Rome or to the governors that Rome had put in place, they paid in advance for the rights to do what they did, to require that people pay tolls throughout the city for all kinds of things. You remember the story of Zacchaeus, don't you? He was a chief toll collector. He not only collected tolls, but he had people working for him that collected tolls. This pyramid system that he used was so defeating, especially for the poorest of the poor that lived in his city. When Jesus came to have supper at his house, Zacchaeus's life was changed completely just by being near Jesus. And he said, half of what I have, I give back to the poor. And if I've defrauded anybody, if you've defrauded anybody, if I've defrauded anybody four times over, I give back to them. That didn't leave him with much. But he was very contented with the idea of the peace that came into his life. When the soldiers came, these mercenaries that had been employed... For specific duties of keeping the peace in that area, when they came and asked, What should we do? What should our lives be? John said to them, Don't extort in order to increase your pay. One of the things that disturbs me when I go into restaurants is the fact that at least in a few restaurants, there are waiters and waitresses that are working at a minimized hourly wage, assuming that they will make ends meet well because of the tips that you and I are supposed to give. That's a very dicey situation, isn't it, for the waiters and waitresses? Because they never know exactly how the night will end up. With these mercenaries, it may have been very much like this, that they were paid so very little that was a part of the system that everybody knew the way they were going to make their ends meet there was to extort and to thieve their way through this world to gain what they needed by very poor means. It has to do with power and control rather than caring for others. And you and I can do this almost without thinking when we are the ones that are in power. But we must be willing to buck the system The system, especially in these United States, was created for better than that. You and I must not be so possessed by our possessions. John raises this call to those in his day not to leave their profession so much as to act differently within their professions. Adam Hamilton reflects on this and our responsibility in his little book that he entitled Enough. And there are several key things that he points out. First he says, as we go through life, we need to be telling ourselves it could be worse rather than it could be better. That's good instruction. If we go through life thinking to ourselves it could be worse we will find something good in every situation. I know people like this who are absolutely crippled with disease and illness and yet they will say to me, I feel so sorry for so-and-so who is just down the hallway. And I think, who are you to feel sorry for anybody? You don't realize your situation and yet they do. They're just claiming to look at it in such a different way. Another key question that we might ask is how long will this make me happy this thing that I'm about to purchase or this thing that I'm about to do how long will this actually make me happy and does it actually lend toward this grateful heart that the apostle paul talks about to be grateful in all things always give thanks to the lord does it lend to that the things that we are doing another key That Adam Hamilton points out is a question. Where does my soul find true satisfaction? And let me ask you a question. Have you found satisfaction in the mall or at Walmart this season? In the long list that you carry there, have you found any sense of satisfaction and rest in the work that is a part of purchasing? Have you found satisfaction and peace in this? Consider what is it that truly gives your soul satisfaction and here's some specifics reduce your consumption and live below your means instead of above your means purchase but ask yourself always do I really need this and why do I need it have you ever purchased anything and got it and then you realize to yourself what was I thinking I mean, you can purchase big things. You can purchase a car. You can purchase a house. You can purchase a television set. You can purchase a sofa. You can purchase big things. And then just two or three days later, you think to yourself, it's just a car. It's just a television set. You and I can find ourselves being slaves to this way of thinking. Another step. Use something up before buying something new. My wife's mother understands this better than anybody that I know. And it drives me crazy. (laughs) She has a refrigerator in her kitchen that was a hand-me-down when she received it. And she refuses to replace it despite how many times I've told her that GE will give her a credit for it. (laughs) I think she's in love with that refrigerator. Or she understands life from a different way than me. She wants to use something up completely, completely before buying something new? What are the major changes that need to occur in our life in order that we might live more simply? And how important is this? John says the crucial matter to remember here is if you have anything, share it. The reason that we would simplify The reason that we would be more contented is that there would be more available. You've heard us say this before, you know? John Wesley's theme song, you know? Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. It goes together. John knew this nearly 2,000 years before John Wesley. John the baptizer did. And he spoke with such insistence not just this word to the wealthy. No, 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 no. If you listen to him, you realize that he's speaking already to the poorest of the poor. And the poor are called to help the poor. If you have two shirts, John, don't look in my closet. If you have two shirts, give one to somebody who needs it. If your table is filled with food, how can you be at peace, if there's somebody that is hungry and in need. I like what Judith Jones says. John's words show that he views poverty neither as an accident nor as the fault of the poor. In his time, as in ours, the earth produced more than enough goods to feed and clothe everyone. The problem then as now, is that the resources have been grabbed up by a very small percentage of the population. John called the wealthiest, but also the merely comfortable, that's us, y'all get that, don't you? The merely comfortable to treat their accumulation of goods as directly related to the seriousness of their repentance. And so, this is not going to take more thinking. (laughs) John has had it with thinking. John wants us to act in order to get ready for Jesus. And it's interesting because Jesus (laughs) says the same thing. As we come to Jesus's table, this table of gift, this table of offering, we're all invited and we'll gather together in this place once again to remember his gracious life. Would you turn in your hymnals to page 12?